Do you think it's fair that someone charged with murder be eligible for parole after 25 years? Text 780 Want to know your thoughts on this? It's been 10 years since the fatal shooting of three guards at Hub Mall. But the story has come back up again after a recent ruling by the Supreme Court that could reduce the time in prison for the killer. So Travis Baumgartner was sentenced to life in prison. No chance of parole for 40 years. He pleaded guilty to first-degree murder in the death of Eddie Rayano, two counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of Brian Alessic and Michelle Shigelsky, and guilty of one count of attempted murder in the shooting of Matthew Schumann. So now the family of one of the victims, Brian Alessic, say that they're shocked to hear that this decision actually came down by the Supreme Court because it could mean that their son's killer could apply for parole in just 15 years from now. He's already served 10 years. So is this fair? Should someone charged with murder be eligible for parole after 25 years? Or maybe you're charged with something else. Is 25 years a fair time to spend in prison? We're going to get into it right now with uh, my next guest, who's a professor emeritus of criminology and crime prevention at the University of Ottawa. He's authored several books, including Science and Secrets of Ending Violent Crime. His name is Dr. Irvin Waller. Dr. Waller, good morning. Thanks so much for being on the show. Good morning. So the family of the victims, obviously, really horrified by this decision. They don't want to see their killer be free. They don't want to see their killer be free anytime in their lifetime. And thinking that potentially Baumgartner could walk after 15 years is, is clearly something that would be upsetting to not only this family, but any family of any victim. Is this, is this fair? Well, I think it's very hard to decide what is uh, fair. Uh, There are many countries in Europe where the uh, minimum time before parole for uh, murder is 10 years in the International Criminal Court. The maximum time that a dictator who has committed genocide or whatever, the maximum time is 25 years. But we're living just north of the U.S. border. So we tend to look at uh, what goes on in U.S. courts. And, uh, of course, in U.S. courts, you can, uh, first of all, you can still, uh, there's still capital punishment in quite a number of the states. And uh, secondly, you can be sentenced to uh, natural life with no uh, consideration of of, of parole. So um, it's very hard to say what is is appropriate. I think it's also important not just to look at, uh, yes, he's eligible for parole at 25 years, or he might be, uh, if um, the Supreme Court decision in the Bissonnette case is applied to to him. That doesn't mean to say that he's going to be paroled. But uh, in my view, a good part of our parole system, uh, something actually that I fought for many years ago, was to uh, provide uh, victim input into decisions by the uh, parole board. They can, so this means that the uh, victim's family can observe the parole hearing. They can also input into the uh, parole uh, hearing. But this is not necessarily, this is not a pleasant experience, but it, it, it does give uh, uh, victims, victims' families some uh, some rights. 
What was the impetus for this decision by the Supreme Court? Why why make that change? I mean, as you mentioned, we're very heavily influenced by uh, the way that a lot of things work in from our American neighbors, whether it's our justice system or our political landscape. So why change it? Well, going back to the situation uh, before, I think it was 2011, when the Harper government uh, decided to allow consecutive sentences for each person killed. So um, if you look, for instance, at the, there were 10 people killed by the uh, guy in a van in Toronto, so that would be uh, 10 times 25, that would be 250 years. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a very, um, I think it's an arbitrary judgment to decide that 25 years is uh, where our, um, where we start saying that this is uh, an unusual punishment. Um, it, 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 I, I don't think there's any a uh, clear way of deciding whether it should be uh, 10 years or whatever it is in Norway or the Netherlands or whether it should be uh, for natural life as in some states in, in the U.S. Uh, 25 years when capital punishment was uh, abolished legally in Canada in 1976, they uh, decided that 25 years would be uh, the minimum and they actually had a a provision um, that it could be uh, later on reduced from 25 to 15 years, but was never almost never used. So 25 years has become the the, the magic number uh, in uh, in in Canada. So, in your opinion, then would you would you have settled on a different number based on what you know of the prison system in Canada? Is 25 years a, a a reasonable time frame to be rehabilitated and be allowable back in society? Or do you think that it should be a different number, something similar to what you mentioned in a country like Norway, where it's 10 years? So I come from a perspective that uh, the main victim right should be to to stop uh, these killings in in the first place. And you're not going to be able to stop all those killings, but that's what we should be emphasizing more than uh, trying to value a loss of life with a certain uh, number of years in, um, in, 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 in prison. Uh, but so I, 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 um, I would actually go more with what is going on in Europe than what is going on in the, the United States. Hmm. Um, victims who get, uh, if you look at the case, I think it, the Hassan case, the guy who was a doctor who was involved in sexual assaults on Olympic uh, gymnasts, he got, I think, uh, a, a natural life. Uh, there were 150 or more victims who gave victim impact statements at his um, at his sentencing hearing, and um, I've just recently seen an analysis of those, and you see some who uh, uh, would have liked capital punishment, and then you see others who uh, uh, want to get on with their lives. And, and so I, I don't think you get a uniform view on any of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, we've sort of. Gone with 25. Uh, I, 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 
probably personally, um, strong victim advocate uh, would probably be talking about a, a, a shorter time period. But um, I, I think we also I want to come back to the right in front of the uh, pro board because I think this is it, it, what has also been raised in this case. Uh, uh, if you think that it's going to be 40 years before a parole hearing and then you find out it's 25 years and so that means 15 years from now uh, you're going to be uh, dealing with a parole hearing. I, I think many things have improved for victims. There's much more support for them. Um, there's much more experience with how they can submit their concerns. Uh, they don't have to go to the parole hearing. They can make a written submission. Mm. Uh, so I, 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 I think some things are are, are, um, are are better, but I think we are counting for too much from a retributive system. And uh, I, I, I think uh, some people would say, as in the in the Bisonet case, oh well, if you're going to uh, reduce the number of years, then you don't value the life of the person who was uh, killed. Uh, and I, I think there are other ways of uh, of valuing the life of somebody that's killed than measuring it in, in terms of uh, how many 25 years they're going to spend in, in, in prison. And I think we need to be much more concerned with uh, the victim rights. There's a review going on in Parliament at the moment, in the federal Parliament, uh, about the Victim Bill of Rights, uh, also an initiative of Harper. Um, it's an initiative that I, I, I think it goes in the right direction, but it's not that effective. So this gives a right to things like restitution, um, that is almost never used in our court system. It's always, you know, how many years as opposed to how much we should actually uh, be paying to the victims or the victims' uh, families. It um, it talks about the possibility of uh, remedies when uh, the parole board doesn't follow the uh, procedures. Uh, um, but the current government, uh, it, it, we also have a federal ombudsman for victims, which is, I think, one of the great things that the Harper government did. But that position is empty at the moment. So um, I think there's a real need to make sure that... Uh, the, there is a federal ombudsman. That federal ombudsman can help uh, victims who are going to parole hearings. Um, I think there's a real need to look at the Victim Bill of Rights and do a lot more to measure what gets measured gets done, a lot more to measure whether victims are actually getting uh, what they need. Uh, surveys in other countries, England, for instance, that actually has I view much uh, better rights and services for um, uh, victims. They did a, uh, they have a commissioner, something pretty similar to our federal ombudsman, mm -hmm. who did a survey, and you basically see how disillusioned victims are with this retributive justice system, where they have no no standing in court except to provide a victim impact statement, and much the same at the parole. Um, hearing they, they they don't have standing they they, they can 
submit uh, a written information. Uh, they can attend the hearing as observers. Uh, I think there is a need to do a lot more for victims. And, uh, we really need a federal champion. Yeah, definitely an area like many others that needs some more attention. Dr. Weller, that's all the time I have with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate your perspective. Thank you. Of course, take care. As Dr. Irvin Waller, uh, pro- um, professional in, in all things criminology, talking about, of course, this overturn by the Supreme Court to now allow criminals the chance of parole after 25 years. Do you think that's fair?